0: Welcome to the Movement Underground Radio with your host, Mike Stella. What do high-performance athletes and people have in common? High-performance mindsets. We are here to take an underground look at the stories behind the athletes, therapists, trainers, and people who push their own limits so that we may expand our own. Take a deep dive underground with us in 3, 2, 1... All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Movement Underground Radio. This is your host, Mike Stella. I just wanted to start off by apologizing for not posting a podcast episode up in quite some time. Uh, As, you know, COVID restrictions lifted and we got busier here at the Underground, this little passion project kind of took a backseat, and I do apologize for that. But we will be getting back to some interviews, but today what I have for you is a recording from a live Instagram I did uh, following a post where I said you know, telling people that their glutes don't fire or a muscle doesn't fire is a bad idea. And then I went through the reasons why I thought that was a bad idea. So that's what I got for you guys today. It's about a 45-minute video. If it sounds a little weird, it's because it was taken from a live Instagram Q&A. And I will try to post more of these types of uh, videos, these types of podcasts up, trying to, kind of in the in-between as we get rolling back to some guests. So thanks for the support. I appreciate you tuning in. And without further ado, I'm going to give it over to Mike Stella, past Mike Stella, to uh, talk about why you should t- not tell people that their glutes don't work. All right, looking forward to this. Some hopefully some good discussion. What's going on? We're going to give it a few minutes here, kind of let everybody gather in. I hope that this can help if anybody was feeling kind of called out by my post. And, you know, kind of one of the things I want to start with is, you know, when I post kind of like the memes and stuff, like I'm being intentionally controversial a little bit, you know, I'm trying to be thought provocative and, you know, make people think more critically. I'm not trying to like call people out and say that you're not a good clinician if you do this, or I'm just trying to get people, you guys, to think bigger than what you're currently thinking. That's my goal. Um, and obviously, the other part of that is a little bit of what's up, Seth. The other part of that is, you know, a little bit of, you know, truthfully, that's how you get eyeballs on Instagram. So there is, you know, obviously a, a logistical slash you know, functional reason for being a little bit more controversial. So I wanted to preface this little live by saying, I love you guys and I'm here for you guys. And my goal is to help you be better and, and to help myself get better in the process. And so be a better teacher, be a better communicator, um, so that we all can grow together. So with that being said, with that being said, let's talk about this idea of glutes, not farin. Um, First, I'd like to open this to any questions. If anybody has any specific questions about that, um, you know, a thought process that they'd like to expand upon. Uh, I'm also kind of doing this badges thing on Instagram. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, like, apparently Instagram's gonna pay me to do live videos, which is cool, but... Um, so if anybody wants to join me and have this discussion, maybe we can open the floor up. But um, I wanted to expand on this idea of... You know muscles not firing and when you what it means when you say to a person hey the reason you have your issues because your glutes aren't firing and why that's not the best thing to do Um, now let's preface this by saying that year you know many years ago in the 70s and 80s we were very obsessed as a as an industry with this whole idea of like muscle activation And when you look at EMG studies, which are electromyograms, like actually measuring the the nerve conduction velocity in a muscle, you know, it can give us information about how people use their muscles and their tissues. And so a lot of what we know tends to be a little bit, not biased is not the right word, but a little bit misleading because the way that we interpret this information is very much posed through the lens that we asked the question. And so let me expand on that. So for example, if I say, okay, people with patellofemoral issues tend to have less VMO activation, right? That is true. Now let's talk about what that means. So if you take it at face value, it means, okay, the that's implying that if we get better VMO activation, that people with patellofemoral issues will get better. The problem is, is that the vmo is innervated by the same nerve that the rest of the quadriceps muscles are innervated by so it like it kind of makes you think like okay well well then why would the why would vmo be less active and so it would be less active because it's in a bad position to pull so from a biomechan- biomechanical sense the brain doesn't have an efficient line of pull therefore it will choose and again, choose, I'm using that word loosely, it will preferentially, or even preferentially, I'm using word loosely, it will use tissues that have a better line of pull. When this happens, you build a habit, and that just becomes the habit that the deep neurological pathway, the connection that you've built within your brain to move your body, that software hardware connection. That is much different than saying your glutes don't fire. Okay, because that implies that there's something wrong with the glutes. That also implies that the solution lies with your glutes, right? So just keep doing clamshells, keep doing glute bridges, keep doing side-lying abduction, keep doing glute exercises, and you will get better at that. Now, does that work? Yes, it does in many cases. It can actually help people build a better connection because you're you're making them isolate it, which is potentially a good use of that time. The problem I have with saying your glutes don't fire is less the mechanics of it is more the message behind it. And so what ends up happening is now you're reinforcing this idea that this person's body has betrayed them for some reason, that their glutes In their infinite wisdom have decided to rebel against you know what you're trying to accomplish from a movement perspective and even despite doing glute isolation exercises if your habits are such that you rely on let's say lumbar extension to replace hip extension then you're going to preferentially use other tissues and doing more glute exercises doesn't fix that problem in fact it might even make it worse by reinforcing a bad pattern so this is why saying that And so like a lot of the kickback that I've got, a lot of the kickback that I got in the comments, and this is why I wanted to take this opportunity to maybe have a conversation, a more nuanced conversation. And that's why I'm inviting anybody who may have not trolled me. Again, I even, I was calling some people out in the comments. I get a little saucy. I apologize. But it's, you know, it's it's hard to take criticism sometimes. But the reason that I was being provocative about it was because I wanted to start a conversation. The conversation being is what is the narrative that you, what is the story that you're telling your clients now in the movement underground in my business, this is like now where the business and the clinical perspective try to, I try to meet them in the middle is telling stories of victory, not betrayal. There's a huge difference there, right? Hey, the difference being is, you know, you're, 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 you 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 do not put your hips or your pelvis in an optimal position therefore your brain's preferentially going to use other stuff so the long term so the short term and long term solution to that is let's work on getting you some better positions and feeling confident there and then expanding on your hip extension or external rotation patterns from there once you get a feel a sense for it so what this is now you know inferring is that this is now a process and it's multifactorial and you don't have a particular part of your body necessarily to blame straight up. Now, the trap we fall into is, well, my clients don't understand, so I have to simplify it. And by oversimplifying it, you, be, you demonize a part of the body that really is a victim and not a culprit. You're demonizing a muscle for not cooperating with somebody versus giving somebody a solution. You're telling a story of betrayal, and people who are in pain, people who have movement issues, people who have gotten to the point where they're seeking your care for help. They're asking you for help. You got to remember, it's a, it, it takes a long time for people to muster the courage to go out and ask a stranger for help with something, especially when it comes to their body and their health. You know, there's it's well documented that especially men will not go to a doctor when they feel sick or feel off for years and years and years and years to their own detriment. I'm guilty of this myself because we're afraid of what we're going to find out, right? And so when somebody finally gets to the point where they're going to ask you for help, they're facing their vulnerability for the first, like maybe for the first time or in that moment, they're they're facing that vulnerability, And what we don't want to do is bury them more and make them leave feeling broken or defeated and like, okay, Mike, oh, that's really nice and, you know, really thoughtful of you, but what does it mean for biomechanics? It's it's related. How people feel intrinsically about their body, what they believe about their issues will directly affect the outcome. That's fact. That's science. It's not our opinion. And so... I don't have a problem, you know, so somebody mentioned in the comments, okay, what about somebody with an obvious knee valgus, you know, in a, in a single leg squat or pattern, you know, isn't that the glutes not working well? Well, it's maybe not the, maybe, yeah, so you have to look at glutes because those are tissues that externally rotate the hip, right? And so if you're having an issue controlling internal rotation, dynamic internal rotation, then you're not, yeah, you may be not getting the help there. So the solution isn't just strengthen external rotation or one particular muscle group, it's building competence and confidence with respect to joint positions. And so that could be executed by a number of different ways. Okay, that's one part of this, which is like the biopsychosocial reasoning why telling somebody that their shit doesn't fire is a bad idea, right? It it creates a defeatist mindset, it creates the woe is me victimization of that person and we're trying to tell a story of victory, not a story of their body betraying them. That's the first thing, biopsychosocial. Let's talk talk about this from a neurological perspective. Somebody's glutes don't fire. They're not as active. They have a hard time controlling femoral internal rotation or or really maximizing terminal hip extension. So they start relying on other habitual ways to move their lower back, their hamstring, maybe their adductor complex. They feel tight around these other areas. From a physiological or neurological perspective, their brain is already prioritizing the use of other tissues. That's the habit. And so you really can't get rid of, you can't build a new habit, i.e. glutes working better, until you start to diminish the old habit. And that is a nuanced thing. That is difficult. So it's not like, okay, do more glute exercises. That solves the problem. Now, on the extreme ends of the population, right, people who are highly highly athletic and people who are highly highly deconditioned this means a little bit less so i'm not talking about the extreme ends of the population you know because that person who's extremely deconditioned a little bit of strength will go an awfully long way a little bit of any kind of movement in a positive direction is going to be a positive thing for them Conversely on the on the extreme athlete side Using that general strength scenario Is probably not going to give them Any kind of result whatsoever It's not enough stress Or that stress isn't specific enough To elicit a favorable adaptation Which is what corrective exercise Rehab, strength and conditioning Yoga, Pilates Doesn't matter what it is That's what it is This is a mint by the way Not a pill I'm sorry I digressed Right? Does that make sense? So We have to understand that It's a nuanced conversation. And as soon as you use one approach for everybody, you're gonna run into trouble, especially at those extremes. Now let's talk about the people in the middle of the room, people who are average gym goers, who are on a fitness or health journey. Some of them might have issues, some of them might not, varying degrees, right? So many different nuances to that complication, right? Understanding that movements are habitually driven, we have to start getting them into better habits. What is going to be a better motivator for somebody right in terms of changing a habit? a positive connotation around, hey, these are opportunities for you versus these are flaws or and here's multiple levels of things that we can work to correct for example, lumbo pelvic control. how do you move your pelvis in space? how do you, what's your awareness over that? Hey, maybe you have an actual mobility restriction. you don't physically possess enough hip extension passively in order for that progressive tissue or the glute, right? Those hip extensors, the hamstring to adequately get the neurological signaling that they need to create full hip extension. And so it, it becomes more complicated than that, even from a neurological perspective, right? So we take this a step further. Sensation and motor control, right? We all remember you know, dermatomes and myotomes from school, right? So dermatomes are a sensory map based on nerve distribution and a myotome would be a motor control map based on nerve distributions from the spine. We can all agree on that. But the reality is we made that up as humans. We decided to separate those two things out. And so now we start thinking about this idea of, okay, how do I get somebody to connect to this area of their body better than they currently do? And That is a combination of factors mostly between sensation and motor control. How well do they feel this area of their body right? relative to their being, which is directly correlated and causative to how well they move that area of their body and how they're going to fire muscles and things of that nature. So from a neurological perspective, this is far more complicated than your glutes don't fire, your VMO doesn't fire right so again it's implying that there's fault with the mechanism there's, it's implying that there's a fault with the hardware of the body when in reality it's really more of a software thing and that opens up the possibility for more interventions right so instead of just doing more glute exercises okay have i assessed does this person rec- possess the prerequisite passive range of motion aka flexibility and the prerequisite active range of motion if you're dealing with somebody who doesn't have their glutes firing, you're dealing with somebody who is lacking in one or both of those categories. Period. End of discussion. You can take that to the bank. I'm not being cocky. It's just the way it works. And so you can take that now a step further. And when you zoom out in that lens, and you're like, okay, now from a neurological perspective, I'm considering sensation and motor control. So let's just say they do have the range of motion necessary passively. I can actually get their hip to extend and externally rotate. Great. So now we've identified that this is a motor control connection thing, which I can bridge that gap via sensation. So maybe I use a vibratory stimulus to bring the brain's awareness. Maybe I do some body work around that area or use a percussion gun or teach them, you know, a textured rolling or light touch variation of movement prep to kind of bring their brain's awareness there and then self limiting exercises to kind of funnel the activation to those areas so that they get a feel for it in their body so they can actually have that aha moment i feel it now or wow all of a sudden i'm doing my workout and i feel a pump in that area wow that means you've got some connection right there's some vascularity there's some neurological bridging happening right so now great we're on the road to solving that problem it has nothing to do with the glutes not firing though right we just simply had to bring some awareness to that equation now let's look at the other side of that coin somebody who actually lacks range of motion, passively, can't physically extend their hip. Well, I don't care how many effing glute exercise variations you do. If that joint can't get to the position, it will not fire or it will not be active, preferentially by the nervous system. The brain will choose Another way to get the job done. So basically, you got two things. Your body's saying, This is what we want to do. And your brain's saying, Well, shit, we can't go there. So we'll figure out another way to get the job done. It'll compensate, right? And so now we look at this like compensation adaptation paradigm. They basically mean the same thing, but adaptations kind of have a favorable connotation, whereas compensations have a negative connotation to them, right? And so we want to put a p- person in the position for the most optimal, favorable adaptation. And that's why telling somebody their glutes don't fire doesn't check off any of those boxes. Psychologically, neurologically, biomechanically doesn't check off the boxes. We have to be more specific. And so the argument that I got from that is okay fine Mike we can agree with you okay the joint positions matter the ability to get your joints into these positions matter for your brain's ability to recruit muscle tissue great awesome we can agree with that but Mike my clients don't understand you use a lot of jargon and you're really smart thank you um, and they don't understand so I'm simplifying it because they're dumb well first of all That's a pretty horrible assumption to make is that your clients aren't smart enough to understand what you're trying to tell them. That's one side of the coin. The other side of that coin is, assume they aren't smart enough, then you need to be a better teacher. You need to communicate it in a way that makes sense without giving them a thought virus, without putting that negative thing in their head that makes them feel worse about the current situation that they're in. So who, who, who does that help? Right? You say, oh, your glutes don't fire. Who does that help? So you're saying they don't understand what you're saying because you know what you're talking about, but they don't. Your job is to get them to understand what you're talking about. That's how you get them to buy into the process. That's how you get them to be consistent with the program. That's how you get them to commit to it long enough to make a favorable adaptation actually possible. Ran out of breath. See what I'm saying? It's all connected. It's all intertwined. So when you're saying I have to explain your glutes don't fire because they don't understand, you're doing that for you, not for them. You're doing that for you. And so I don't overcomplicate it when I talk to people. Hey, listen, software, hardware, this is a very easy concept for people to understand. They know they have a brain. They know they have a nervous system. What they don't appreciate a lot of times is this innate, intangible, highly interconnected version of the two things together and that's the nuanced approach that i try to instill is like you can't use hardware solutions to software problems right you can't do that so you've been trying to get your glutes to fire by all these different means and and have been unsuccessful. But maybe it's not the effort that's misplaced, maybe it's the intention that's misplaced. So you have to just consider it through a different lens. And that's what you're offering somebody, is is a a wider lens to look through so that they don't feel like they're damaged or broken, so that they feel empowered and hopeful for the future, that you've laid out, hey, this is potentially the problem, therefore this is, these are the potential solutions, right? So I hope this kind of paints the picture of, so when you say, so I do truly feel like it, people who say, oh, your, your muscles don't fire, you are, you're, you're, you're slightly mistaken and that approach yields very short-term short-sighted results if at best short-sighted results at best and so by simply changing the lens that you explain it through you can you can empower people you can make them hopeful you can make them understand that this isn't their body betraying them, that this is actually just a really common phenomenon that occurs when you have a bad habit. Guess what? People aren't so dumb to realize that they have bad habits. Everybody, every human has bad habits, including myself. We all have bad habits. But the best thing about habits is e- they can be broken with just directed conscious effort. And so we just want to put people in a chance to succeed versus kind of fall further down that pit of despair when it comes to the relationship that they have with their body, both psychologically, biologically, um, and socially, right? And so those are the reasons. I hope this makes more sense. I hope maybe now you kind of understand. Again, I meant the post to be very provocative in nature because it started a conversation. I wouldn't be having doing this live right now if it wasn't for... The fact that people were courageous enough to comment and some of them got at me a little bit, basically like, oh, you're just saying the same thing, just in a different way. And I'm not, you know, it's, I'm saying a very, very different thing in a very different way. And that's the key. And I'm trying to share that with you so that you can tell the story of victory and that you can use this information, whether you take it directly from me or not, or go fact check me, go read about cortical representation within the brain, Right. We understand this whole concept that the brain will smudge these areas neurologically. It won't create that strong connection out of threat, misuse, disuse, etc. It's not opinion. It's well documented at this point. So it's another tool or another viewpoint for us to look through that gives us some, maybe some more clarity and more um, ability to tell this story in a more nuanced way that's also easy to understand. Nuance doesn't necessarily mean more complicated. Nuance just means that you're... Opening up the doors of explanation to more than one thing. And so that keeps people hopeful. It's really important that we have that. Um, So with that being said, I'd love to open this up to some conversation and see what you guys think. I'd love to open this up to maybe some discussion. So is there anybody that maybe wants to hop on with me? We We can have this conversation a little bit more. I would love it even more if you were somebody that felt some kind of way about um my post like if you felt insulted or attacked or that i was calling you out or maybe you felt a little self-conscious because it's something that you do whether or not you want to admit it or not i'm not here to attack you or tell you that you're wrong i'm just trying to help hopefully help you be more right in the future and that's the best thing that we can do is just continually adapt our current lens to the information that we're gaining and that helps us continue on our all of our ability to grow and learn together right keeps the information flowing so does anybody want to join me anybody everybody's like all like no man this is intimidating I'm trying to see who's in still my boy nick Fanti, how we feeling, buddy? I hope everything you're doing well. Let's see. Anybody have any questions with that being said? There's a little question box down the bottom. You can ask me a question. Maybe maybe that leads your thinking in a different direction that you want further expansion upon. We can definitely do that. That's why we're here. My first S. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, again, we can joke about it. So, Nick is pro baseball player. My first ass and my second ass both work fine. So, this is something that we saw in his movement screen. Is that he really loves to use his low back. He's had some low back stuff over the years. And so, it's like, okay, all of a sudden you start looking at this through a different lens. And it's like, okay, this isn't a bad thing. It's just a habit. Let me be consciously directive of my, you know, what I'm doing from a movement perspective until that's no longer the case. Yeah, but that guy's a stud going to come back back stronger and better than ever. I have no doubts whatsoever. Cause I have seen the work ethic and as long as you're consistent with anything, it's going to work except clamshells. That shit works for nobody. <laughs> I'm kidding. Relax. Clamshells are a fine exercise if you're 90. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Again, it's, you got to start people where they're at, right? Nobody's got a question. What does this button do? Oh, that's just my camera roll. What else? I can change my view. Oh, that's just pointing the other direction just like messing with stuff now. Anybody nothing no nobody wants to join the conversation, you know? Does that clarify something? Does that make it more make more sense? I'm really hoping this helps at least one person. If this helps one person, uh I'll be stoked for that. Gonzo, I appreciate you, man. Let's see. I'm just going back to the comments to see if I missed anything. Uh, Seth asks, will this be saved? I'd love to watch this later. Yes, I will post this full version up on the IG feed. Good. I love it. Thank you for for tuning in. James, one of the coaches here at East Coast. Right. So, this is again, this is something that we talk about a lot. Again, queuing is important, but not at the expense of the message, you know what I mean? And so that that's maybe a good one liner for this conversation is your short term cue can't be at the expense of long term progress, right? So like you can't sacrifice, you know, making your point now or sacrifice the long term vision just to make your point now. So so we have a question You know, a lot of people complain of tight glutes, should they trigger and roll prior to glute workouts? So again, you know, and this is kind of like another fundamental question that we have to ask, right? It's okay. You're doing a glute workout. Well, is that important? Right. Is it important to train glutes in isolation and only glutes in a day like a leg day, you know? And so now we start bridging this into like fitness as entertainment when we start breaking down body parts and isolating them out one day per week. And that's very common in the bodybuilding and fitness and personal training community. It's like, okay, we're going to do chest and chest and tries back and buys abs legs. You know what I mean? We're going to do all these and arms separately. And so what you end up doing is you're blasting one area of the body with a lot of volume and a lot of sets and a lot of different exercise variations. And at a certain point, neurologically, you're just going to blast those mechanoreceptors and you're not really learning. You know. And again, think about movement as learning. You're not really learning anything anymore. And so a lot of the strategy that we use here is not necessarily to decrease volume or types of exercise, just to spread them out over a full week. So somebody's training four days a week, It's probably pretty easy just to do upper-lower splits so that you're getting adequate rest, but you can spread that stress out over a week, let's say. So if they have tight glutes and they feel tight, that is the what. What's wrong? I got tight glutes. It's uncomfortable for me to squat. It's uncomfortable for me to hinge. It's uncomfortable for me to lunge, or I just feel restricted in doing so. Let's just say pain isn't a factor there, just tightness. Why is it tight? Okay, so now that kind of brings us down a rabbit hole of two potential, basically two potential outcomes. One is the muscle's actually tight, meaning that it's physi phys- physically shortened, right? It's length; it doesn't have adequate length or passive range of motion. So we have to assess that. Is that the case? So they have passive range of motion. If the you know now it comes down to an, another split. If it's yes, they do, and they still feel tight, then that is not tightness; that is tension. And tension is a nervous system thing. That's neurological. That means their brain is creating tension most likely or more often than not to protect them from something, right? So this is the idea of like, and, and I stole this directly from Michael Chivers from FR, the FRC community calling something juicy, right? Instead of calling it tight when it's neurologically switched on, right? It's juicy. It's got current running through it. It's got juice running through it, right? And so... I am very specific about when I'm working with clients to not use the word tight because tight implies if you stretch it, it'll get better. Now, let's consider the, 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 the scenario that the person has adequate passive range of motion, yet they still feel tight in their glutes or their hips. If they feel tight, the inclination is to stretch that. But if they're protecting that area or their brain is creating tension or, or neurological juice, because it has a poor connection to that area and it's trying to use that stiffness as fake stability let's say for argument's sake then stretching that will make it worse not better you know and this is the problem with oversimplification is oh your glutes are tight stretch them seems simple enough seems harmless enough But what we understand with long-duration stretching is that you decrease cortical representation, meaning that the connection that you're trying to build to get rid of the tightness is actually being undermined by the fact that you're disconnecting that tissue more. It's kind of like a catch-22, and so this becomes a problem for people. This is those people that when you give them stretching exercises, they get worse and not better, and that happens all the time. It happens more than we like to admit. We don't think about those cases because we're like, oh, that's rare, but it's not. It's actually pretty common. That people, oh, they stretch their hamstrings and the low back feels worse, not better, even though their hamstrings feel tight. Super common example, right? It's like, yeah, but stretching my hamstrings, my back's getting worse, it's not getting better, or it's not improving at all. After I stretch, I should feel like I'm, I maybe feel loose for a little bit and my range of motions are stored for a little bit, but then it's clamped down again moments later. We've all experienced these people before. And so what we've done is we've used the wrong, the wrong solution to the wrong problem. Right. We, we haven't answered the problem indirectly, you know, and, and that and that's this is where as you gain clinical experience, and you learn new things. it op- And as long as you're open to it, you can open your lens and start to look at problems through multiple perspectives. And what that does is it offers you multiple possible solutions. And so you start going down that path of offering some solutions and keeping it simple, but it doesn't work. Then you have alternatives versus What a lot of people fall into, which is a very dogmatic approach, which is, you know, if you've got a nail, then, you know, if you've got a hammer, then everything's a nail. And so that's where people run into a lot of trouble. So you have to answer these questions. You have to dig that next layer deeper. Why? Why is the glutes tight? It's mo you know, is it because it's actually physically tight? If it's a loss of passive range of motion, then guess what? You've reached the end of this little schematic and you could probably do some long duration stretching. I would follow that up with whatever gain in range of motion that you get that you do some active work, active range of motion, using that new that new range that you just restored. You want to use it right away so that the brain gains context. And then you still have to probably go through that process of sensory motor retraining where you're reintegrating the sensation part and the motor control so that's where things like touch and vibration and manual therapy techniques and pnf techniques and you know frc and range strengthening and range liftoffs passive range holds these things can really be helpful because they're very very specific and direct and so and then you can build that into a larger plan that includes your compound lifts like squats and deadlifts and lunges and step ups and sled pushes and all these other things that we like to do so again it's Is it complicated? Yes. Is it okay that it's complicated? Yes. And people would rather you say, hey, guess what? This is complicated. Here's a few things to consider. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. I I understand that. And if it doesn't, then explain it a a different way and simplify it further. But you have to, just like your fitness training programs or your corrective programs or your rehab, you have to progress that understanding as people gain competence. You can't just... Say so glutes are off and call it a day because you've really solved nobody's problem. In fact, you've probably just made some more. You've, create, you've compounded the issue with psychosocial factors. So be specific. Have a reason for everything. Don't just say stuff because that's what other people say or that's what you saw on Instagram or that's even like that because I'm saying it. I want you guys to really understand it because if you really understand it well, that means you can teach it in a variety of ways. If you understand a concept really well, you can teach it to a six-year-old. And then the excuse of, well, my clients are too dumb to understand doesn't really hold any water anymore. Again, people are smarter than, they, than you think they are. We need to give them that credit ahead of time and let them prove to us that they're dumb and that they don't understand. But open that door of communication so that you can explain it in multiple ways without oversimplification and without creating or compounding the problem. So that's the reason. Good question. Cool, Roy. appreciate you, man. I hope that helps. So again, if should they trigger and roll? Again, if they're if they're disconnected, uh, I would use a touch pathway more than I'd use a stretch pathway to start them. If they're physically restricted as far as mechanical range of motion or stiffness is concerned, then you have to go through the process of stretching that tissue first, then go through reincorporating it as far as how the brain can represent it, right? So you still have to do both processes, but you then have one extra step that you have to do first, which is restore the passive range of motion. That might involve tissue work. That might involve, you know, again, end range, long duration stretching, isometric holds, all these other things, uh, that PNF stretching, all these things that can be used to... um, Maybe help somebody gain some passive range of motion. But don't stop there. Stretching is only a part of that, that solution. Okay. I hope we cleared that up. What time is it? 3.39. So it's been on for about a half hour. Anybody have any questions? Anybody want to hop on live with me? I'm opening the forum. I know some of you guys are just joining. Uh, so I basically just went through a whole rant uh, expanding on this idea that telling people that their glutes don't fire is a bad idea. And I explained why it is a bad idea through a psychosocial lens, a neurological lens, and a mechanical lens. Um, and so I hope that clarifies that it's really not a good idea on any one of those under any one of those categories. Maybe you can make the argument in the mechanical, but still I wouldn't do it because it has too much baggage on the other th- on the other variables in the equation. People are, you know, humans are complicated organisms. So oversimplification is an easy way to to Make bad decisions with poor information, you know. It's like one of my favorite, like Mark Twain quotes is, uh, "It's not what you it's it's not what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you think you know that just ain't so. That's what gets you in trouble." And 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 it's sentiments like that, like these these dogmas in fitness and rehab that just keep keep getting regurgitated. Um, In gym settings and, you know, even in clinical settings that aren't very progressive and what ends up happening is we kind of crush autonomy and we halt forward thinking and and expanding our our realm of of possible outcomes. Um, And so we want to keep ourselves open to as many opportunities as possible, especially as a clinician. You want to, on day one, my goal is to set somebody up for as many possible positive outcomes as possible psychologically, socially, physically, neurologically, all of it. You know, you want to set people up for a win, not, not for trying to overcome yet another loss. Anybody want to come live? Anybody want to join me? Anyone want to say hi? Even if you just want to say hi, I'm cool with that. Anybody? Give me a wave. Nobody wants to come live? That's so shocking. Can't believe it. No questions on the question cards. Unbelievable. What does this mean? Go live in a room. I don't know what this means. Oh second so send invites. Okay. I need to do more live videos because I always enjoy this. Um It's it's more fun when you guys say stuff though. I'm guessing that one soul heart floating up the side of the screen was to do more lives. Um so hopefully listen, if Instagram's gonna pay me to go live, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'll take it. Derek, what's up, kid? Speaking of hip mobility, where you been? Let's go. Tim, oh, that's a great question. Thanks for the layout, buddy. I do sell these. If you go to my link tree in my bio... Uh, the first little link is the merch store which is open till July 31st So if you'd like to order this shirt or other designs tank tops ladies cuts different colors You can do so at the end of the month All the orders will get tallied and they'll get shipped directly to you So if you buy the shirt now you just have to wait till the end of July and then it'll get shipped right to your door Technology at its finest, but yeah, I love the blue colorway for those of you guys that have followed me for a long time, my old business, Recovery Lab, used to be like a royal blue color, and I've shied away from the blue shirts for many years, I guess out of, I don't know, maybe my own immaturity and, and you know um, stubbornness, but let's be real, right? The blue is fire. The red, white, and blue shirt is definitely fire, so... Hawaiian aloha, is there anything new I'm interested in at the moment? Um, I'm always into new stuff right now, I, and I tend to be very cyclical. I think a lot of people can relate. You know if you're ever the type of person that like when you start listening to a certain type of music or a certain band, let's say and then you just binge them super hard for a really long time, I tend to do that a lot and then I go to something new and then I binge that super hard and then I do something new and then I binge that super hard um the The latest things that I've been into f- clinically has been blood flow restriction that's kind of my my latest uh kind of like new love, I guess, is that we invested in a Katsu BFR system here and the training, which is, I'm getting through, and it's really a lot of fun and it's really cool. And I just see so much upside in that modality, so I'm really excited to continue to incorporate it. So clinically, BFR is kind of like the newest thing I'm into. Um, In general, um, I've really gotten into philosophy, especially stoic philosophy. Um, This idea of like, you know, philosophical viewpoints to society, politics, all these kinds of things. I think I'm just trying to make myself a more aware human being in general. And I I think learning about philosophy has also helped me in my clinical career also be a better communicator and to appeal to kind of like these human uh, truths that we all have about like our ego and our and what we say and how we feel and, and how, you know, hierarchies are kind of created and how we can help people elevate through that versus, you know, feel like they're being a victim. And so I think it's been very relative to my clinical career because I do think that afflicted people or injured people feel like a victim of their own circumstance. And I, and I think if you can bring them out of that mindset into a growth mindset of this is just another challenge and yet an extremely long line of life challenges that we all face then it's just something for them to overcome and feel really good about versus really feel negative about and I think if you can flip that switch for people you can impact them far more than just you know their their um their current circumstances or their injury rehab you can really change somebody's life and and one of the things I'm most passionate about right now currently is sharing this with my younger athletes and, and, and I don't do it in a way it's like, oh, I'm teaching you stoic philosophy. I just do it in a way that's just very conversational. And I'm introducing them to these ideas and I'm, inter- and I'm asking them hard questions to answer to help them figure out who they are and what they want and what their goals and dreams and aspirations are and not just regurgitate it from their parents and their coaches because that tends to happen a lot. And so I don't know. Listening to a lot of different philosophy, um, you know, just a little bit maybe on that side of the spectrum in my personal life a little bit more. But it definitely has correlated and, you know, um, it's, it's been really positive there. So, yeah, um, I think, you know, in terms of just life stuff, I definitely haven't been as active on social media because I'm in a new relationship and and that's been so great that I really want to spend more time in that and and my more attention on that. And so that's detracted me a little bit from doing social media stuff, which is fine for now because I'm not, it's just not as much of a priority, you know, surfing kind of doing the summer thing is always kind of makes me happy. So I'm spending a lot of time doing that too. So trying to grow the business, trying to start another business. So lots of stuff going on, trying to keep it all manageable and centered. Um, the best I can but I'm you know a human being and I'm flawed as fuck as well just like everybody else and I have my moments so especially when I get salty on Instagram guys if I get salty at you in the comments I don't mean to do that it's 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 maybe being too reactive to like when people give you criticism and I think I could definitely maybe do a better job at dealing with that but uh, I believe what I believe, and I believe in it strongly, and so that's why I can be—I can be kind of demonstrative—is maybe the word that is the right word. Uh, so I hope that is understandable. Oh, let's see. Sent me a question on the questions. Let's see. Gymnast back in the day, just turned 40. Is there a hope to regain at least some of that flexibility? That is a fantastic question. Uh, the answer is 100%, absolutely you can gain a lot of range of motion. I I, I think there's this fallacy that as we age, our, our capacity for adaptation diminishes, and it doesn't. I think as we age, though, the level of specificity has to go up, right? So what I mean by that is, I think the biggest issue I see with my younger athletes, let's say my middle school and high school kids, is that they have this belief system predicated on I've never been in pain therefore I'm optimally performing and that's not true that's a logical fallacy just because you're not hurting or symptomatic doesn't mean that you're performing optimally and and kids get away with it or really you know when we're young we really get away with poor habits poor lifestyle poor movement all of these things can be piss poor and we can still feel really good because you got youth on your side as we age our tolerances for certain types of stress can plummet dramatically And and to answer your question directly, if your context of your use of your body went from gymnastics to sedentary, let's just call it the most extreme version possible from super athletic, super mobile, super, um, you know, conditioned, which is what it really requires to be a good gymnast on any level, because it's really tough sport to sedentary, the most extreme change of direction you you're going to you're going to feel that right? Especially if you're used to operating at a level here and now you're currently operating down a level down here. And this can affect your life in many ways besides just movement. It can lead to depression and anxiety and feeling like shit all the time and self-doubt and self-pity and, you know, resentment and frustration and all those things. And, and I see, and again, I think a lot of the clients that I get that are in their middle ages tend to be former athletes and are really in a shitty place because the bar was set so high when they were young and they maybe just lost their way over time. Again, I'm, guilty of this too i haven't been training consistently at all recently and it's and it's definitely a thing i need to work on and reprioritize um you know and so for what i would say to you is get assessed you can't chase every attribute of your former gymnast self the former version of you that maybe you idealize is better than the current version um I would say that you need to really go get assessed and have somebody help you prioritize what you're going to work on because the man who chases two rabbits catches none. And, and that's a really hard problem for people is they want they want it all right now. And, and really what we need is you know, if you want to climb to the roof of the building, you need a ladder that has small rungs, not far rungs because they're too too much to climb, and you're probably going to fall. And so you probably just have to – the biggest thing, I think, is just be honest with yourself and own it. Hey, I let myself go. It is what it is. I had my reasons, family, job, you know, career, all these things that, you know, we all have to deal with, you know, and that's my excuse generally too, is like, oh man, I'm so busy. Second location, new relationship. I want to go surf. I want to go out to dinner with my friends. I want to see my family more. And so we just find reasons to deprioritize ourselves. And so now you just got to find the reasons to reprioritize yourself. And if that's your goal and you want to get back to that, uh, I would say just start, simple start small start with attainable steps um you know you don't need gymnast level hip mobility and spine mobility to feel really good and or or at least feel better you know at least feel better about where you're at or the progress that you're making right so uh, i think that's the biggest thing is especially for former athletes we really again 100 percent guilty of this we hold ourselves to ridiculously high standards you know, ridiculously high standards. Like, you know, I'll even say to my girlfriend all the time, like, oh man, I look like crap. And she's like, what do you talk about? You look great. And I'm like, nah, I mean, for me, I look like crap. Like I know I do. And I feel that way. And so, but like, it's ultimately on me to change that. You know what I mean? If that's really how I feel and acknowledge that. So I don't know, that's my two cents. I would say, yeah, it's self ageism, you know? And it's interesting for me because I never, I guess, selfishly or really, you know, I think I always try to understand when people are telling me like, oh man, I don't, you know, like, it's not like it used to be. My body doesn't recover like it used to. And uh, at 35 turning 36, I'm starting to understand that. <laughs> I'm really starting to understand that. Um, you know, even when it comes to things like surfing or playing volleyball, it's like, I need to prioritize my own body and, and work on these things proactively because I do feel it when I don't. Um, and again, it's just our body teaching us something, man. So our body teaching us something. So I hope that helps, Kale Boy. Stop eating so much kale. That might help too. <laughs> I'm kidding. I hate kale. It's disgusting. Uh, I'd rather eat shoe leather, honestly. Um, the only way I can eat kale is if it's like completely covered and doused in ranch dressing, which is not, you know, you're eating it for health and then you eat crap dressing. <laughs> Uh, Kale is your name? Okay, then that's great. You know, I thought maybe you were, like you're a vegan or something. Don't get mad at me. I'm just joking. I'm just teasing. I hope that helps. But um, yeah, no, for sure. Oh, Kali. Okay, Kali, Kali. I love that. Great Hawaiian. I love that. So sick. Okay, much better. Cooked and killed with flavors. That's the way I do it, man. Cooked and killed. I love that. <laughs> Cooked and drowned in dressing. That's my my strategy. I'm sweating like crazy. There's no air conditioning in my office. Otherwise, it's gross. I totally agree with you, Kali. Well, my friend, um, thank you for joining from Hawaii. Super jealous. Um, Hopefully, it's on my bucket list. I've never been to Hawaii. It's on my list, especially since I started surfing because, like, you know, I think, like, the old adage or the saying is, like, soccer is to Brazil as surfing is to Hawaii. It's, like, a very held dear thing. I'm just afraid of going and get my ass kicked by some gnarly locals. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Maybe we'll meet up. You could protect me, indoctrinate me into the culture. I'm into it. <laughs> all right, guys. That's all I got for you. If anybody has any other questions, I'm happy to answer them. Now we'll take a few minutes. I know I'm long-winded. I hope that was helpful. I'm going to repost this. Don't forget the merch store. Listen, the branded Bill's hats. These are the snapbacks uh, with the leather patch. They're really cool. Um, I have like four or five more. So if you want them, DM me. You got to DM me for these. So I have a few more of these. I'm getting other hats in soon. But the Branded Bills ones, they're going quickly. That reminds me. I have to bring one with me today to give to a friend who bought one. Um, So we're down to, let's see. This one's spoken for. This one's spoken for. This one's spoken for. One, two, three, four. I got four left. So if you want it, you got to hit me in the DMs and... I'll give you my Venmo, and then I'll reserve it for you. And hopefully by the end of this week, I'm going to go to FedEx and ship them all out, Um, the ones that have been ordered. The shirts, the merch, uh, I also have the Reforged Underground shirts, which are really cool. Um, That's in the merch store. Go to the link tree in my bio, the first link. The store is open until July 31st. Um, so we're just going to tally all the orders for the rest of the month, essentially. So if you order it now, your shirt is going to be printed and made direct, and, and sent directly to you. Um, for those athletes that are here training with us here at the Movement Underground, I will order more for like in stock, but I'm not going to order a ton. So the best bet, if you want one, isn't to wait. Because in the past, I've just ordered thousands of dollars worth of apparel, and I, my, I my usually give it away anyway. I'm, I'm cool doing that. But, you know, this time around, I kind of wanted to not be so wasteful and order so much. And then I have, like, I still have, like, 10 smalls of my old, the last order of shirts. Because I just didn't sell them. I didn't sell them or nobody fit in them. So I have a lot of smalls. So if you're small, if you're small and you order a shirt, I'm going to give you a freebie of the old, the, old, uh, the old model. So I have a couple of those left. Or the, or the the previous edition um, but there's bella and canvas super super soft stretchy material made in the usa printed in the usa in sustainably energy sufficient facilities which is why i like to use bella and canvas really cool company um so that's why the shirts are a little bit more expensive okay so again you know i, I do appreciate the support thank you guys so much um, so to go check out the link tree in my bio to hit the merch store if you're interested And that's it. That's all I got for you. So with that being said, hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much for your support. Um, Please DM me any questions or if you wanted to have a private conversation about the aforementioned topic. Maybe you didn't feel like confident enough to make your position known. I welcome that open, honest, no hate discussion. We can talk about it and hopefully get to a place of mutual understanding. You know what I mean? It's just food for thought, just my perspective. Um, Happy to share it. So that's it, that's all you got for me. So I appreciate you guys, be well, take care, take care of each other, um, and keep helping people. And I'll see you guys next time. You! Thanks for listening to the Movement Underground Radio. If you like the episode, please subscribe so that you're notified when new episodes drop you can follow us on instagram at the movement underground you can follow me on instagram at mike stella underscore atc please visit us on the web at the and check out our youtube channel at the movement underground if any of you guys have any questions or would like to leave a comment please do so or reach out to us through any one of those channels we'd be happy to get back to you Uh, If you would like to be featured on the Movement Underground Radio, definitely drop us a line and we can talk. So we hope you liked it, and we'll see you guys next time.